You're listening to the podcast Bible Companion series by author P.H. Thompson. This is a chronological Bible study going chapter by chapter, discovering Christ in all of Scripture. This is Deuteronomy chapter 22, verses 1 to 4, Kindness and Common Sense. The priority for all Israelites and for us as well is to love God supremely, but our next duty is to our neighbors. Moses gives examples of how to show that love in everyday situations. If you see your fellow Israelites' ox or sheep straying, do not ignore it, but be sure to take it back to its owner. If they do not live near you, or if you do not know who owns it, take it home with you and keep it until they come looking for it. Then give it back. Do the same if you find their donkey or cloak or anything else they have lost. Do not ignore it. If you see your fellow Israelite's donkey or ox fallen on the road, do not ignore it. Help the owner get it to its feet. They must show concern not just for their own things, but also for the belongings of other people, and not ignore difficult situations. And this kindness extends to the animals of their neighbors. And this recalls Cain's surly question, Am I my brother's keeper? The answer is yes. Verse 5. No cross-dressing. Lest you think transgenderism and transvestitism is a new idea, God condemned such behavior long ago. He says, A woman must not wear men's clothing, nor a man wear women's clothing, for the Lord your God detests anyone who does this. Male and female distinctions were to be maintained. And this statute is found only here. And this is another instance of God hating the person who sins in such a way, not just their actions. The word translated here as detests is elsewhere called an abomination, which is a strong word that God also uses in reference to homosexuality. An abomination is something that is disgusting, loathsome, vile, or shameful. We must not love or approve of something which God hates. Verses 6 and 7, Sustainability with Food Resources If you come across a bird's nest beside the road, either in a tree or on the ground, and the mother is sitting on the young or on the eggs, do not take the mother with the young. You may take the young, but be sure to let the mother go, so that it may go well with you, and you may have a long life. The idea found only here is teaching that God cared for the long term provision of his people. By letting the mother bird go free, she could reproduce, providing a future source of food. We saw another example of this in Deuteronomy 20 regarding fruit trees. The benefit was a blessing, so that it may go well with you and you may have a long life. Verse 8. Responsible Home Ownership Another practical way to show love to a neighbor found only here, was to not do anything that could bring potential harm to them. Their houses had flat rooftops accessible by outside stairs, so they were instructed to build a railing around it to prevent falls that could result in injury or death. When you build a new house, make a parapet around your roof so that you may not bring the guilt of bloodshed on your house if someone falls from the roof. Verses 9-11 to Laws of Separation The next three statements relating to mixing two different things together, two kinds of seeds, plowing with animals of different temperaments and strengths, 
and wearing garments made of wool and linen. Do not plant two kinds of seed in your vineyard. If you do, not only the crops you plant, but also the fruit of the vineyard will be defiled. This maintained healthy crops. Do not plow with an ox and a donkey yoked together. According to the dietary restrictions, an ox was a clean animal while a donkey was an unclean animal. But it was mostly because of the different temperaments of the animals, they would not be able to plow a straight furrow. Do not wear clothes of wool and linen woven together. This is enigmatic, but some think it related to idolatrous practices or superstitious customs. Verse 12, Tassels. Make tassels on the four corners of the cloak you wear. So this no longer applies to us, but the original purpose was stated in Numbers 15. The Lord said to Moses, Speak to the Israelites and say to them, Throughout the generations to come, you are to make tassels on the corners of your garments with a blue cord on each tassel. You will have these tassels to look at, and so that you will remember all the commands of the Lord, and that you may obey them, and not prostitute yourselves by chasing after the lusts of your own hearts and eyes. These blue tassels were shaped like flowers or petals, and were attached to the hems of the garments of the Israelites to remind them of their need to trust and obey God's commands with every step. The Israelites were to be different from their neighbors by their diet, clothing, behavior, and worship. Then he added, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt to be your God. I am the Lord your God. The final verse reminds them of God's first encounter with Moses in the desert. In Exodus chapter 3, he redeemed them for the purpose of relationship. Verses 13 to 30, Marriage Violations and Family Life If a man takes a wife and after sleeping with her dislikes her and slanders her and gives her a bad name, saying, I married this woman, but when I approached her I did not find proof of her virginity, then the young woman's father and mother shall bring to the town elders at the gate proof that she was a virgin. Her father will say to the elders, I gave my daughter in marriage to this man, but he dislikes her. Now he has slandered her and said, I did not find your daughter to be a virgin. But here is the proof of my daughter's virginity. Then her parents shall display the cloth before the elders of the town, and the elders shall take the man and punish him. They shall find him a hundred shekels of silver and give them to the young woman's father because this man has given an Israelite virgin a bad name. She shall continue to be his wife. He must not divorce her as long as he lives. So this is the case where an Israelite doubts that his new bride is a virgin. In such a case, he must bring a formal accusation. But if it is found to be false and can be proven to be so, then as punishment for his slander, he would be fined and not permitted to divorce her. This was a significant fine, equal to of about two and a half pounds of silver. And this likely deterred false accusations. It is not known if there was ever an incidence like this, like the punishment for rebellious youth. Knowledge of the law was likely a deterrent. However, if the charge is true and no proof of the young woman's virginity can be found, she shall be brought to the door of her father's house and there the men of the town shall stone her to death. 
She has done an outrageous thing in Israel by being promiscuous while still in her father's house. You must purge the evil from among you. So sexual sins were not to be trifled with. Premarital sex was seen as unfaithfulness and was punishable by death at that time. If a man is found sleeping with another man's wife, both the man who slept with her and the woman must die. You must purge the evil from Israel. So adultery was a capital offense, which meant it carried the death penalty for both parties because it had been consensual. And the penalty is the same if the woman is unmarried but not forced. If a man happens to meet in a town a virgin pledged to be married and he sleeps with her, you shall take both of them to the gate of that town and stone them to death. The young woman, because she was in a town and did not scream for help, and the man, because he violated another man's wife, you must purge the evil from among you. But if out in the country a man happens to meet a young girl pledged to be married and rapes her, only the man who has done this shall die. Do nothing to the woman. She has committed no sin deserving death. This case is like that of someone who attacks and murders a neighbor. For the man found the young woman out in the country, and, though the betrothed woman screamed, there was no one to rescue her. So, here is a case where a woman is raped. She is innocent, like a murder victim. Only the perpetrator must be executed for his crime. Rape was a capital offense then. And this shows how seriously God takes such sins. And it is a sad situation that in many places with Sharia law, it is the rape victim who is killed while the perpetrator goes free. If a man happens to meet a virgin who is not pledged to be married and rapes her and they are discovered, he shall pay her father fifty shekels of silver. He must marry the young woman for he has violated her. He can never divorce her as long as he lives. In this case, the woman was not pledged to be married to another. This is not consensual, so they are not to be killed. But he must pay a fine and pray and marry her and never divorce. I can't imagine that it would not be difficult to be married to a man who raped her. But again, I don't know if there was ever such a case. A man is not to marry his father's wife. He must not dishonor his father's bed. So such a case of incest with his mother or stepmother was shocking and not to be done in Israel. This may have recalled the incident where Reuben slept with Jacob's concubine Bilhah, resulting in the loss of his status as firstborn. So the question of continuity and discontinuity from the Old to the New Testament is often debated. Which laws, if any, apply to us? Do we still build parapets for on our roofs? Are we forbidden to mix fabrics, avoid certain foods? What about tattoos? Do we only follow those specifically carried over into the New Testament? I would argue that the moral standards would be the same, even if they aren't mentioned in the New Testament. An example would be some of the sexual sins like incest and bestiality. God still hates those things. However, since we don't live in a theocracy, a government under God's rule, the penalties and punishments wouldn't apply. We don't stone adulterers or homosexuals. The gospel is powerful enough to change hearts and behavior. If some laws don't directly translate to our culture, like building a parapet, since we don't have flat roofs, 
we can still apply the principle implied in the law. In this case, it would be to build a railing on a high deck or make sure you safeguard your property in such a way that no one gets injured. Scarlet Threads So what scarlet threads or hints of Jesus Christ or application to the Gospel do we find in this chapter? They were to show kindness to their neighbors and their neighbors' animals. If care must be taken for animals, how much more people made in God's image? When Jesus told people they had to love their neighbors, they asked, Who is my neighbor? hoping to find a loophole. So he told the parable of the Good Samaritan. And the moral of that is that our neighbor is anyone in need of mercy. People were not to wear the clothing of the opposite gender, because God made the sexes distinct. Some people think gender is fluid and on a continuum and can be changed at will. But Jesus did establish that there were only two genders when he was asked a question about divorce, and he appealed to the authority of scripture and the creation of men and women. Haven't you read, he replied, that at the beginning the Creator made them male and female, and said, For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they were not to plough with an ox and donkey together. Paul used this imagery to explain why believers should not marry unbelievers. They are on different life paths and really have nothing in common. There were laws of separation making distinctions between clean and unclean and things that um, had different purposes. In all these laws of separation, dietary um, and rituals, and clothing and cooking, the Israelites were being taught that even in the mundane areas of life, obedience was essential. These were simple tests, like the test of fruit in the Garden of Eden, that would teach self-denial and submission to God's word. They were being taught the difference between clean and unclean in God's eyes. These were daily illustrations that they were different from the surrounding nations that had no such distinctions. They were being taught to live God's way. These external separations were to demonstrate their abhorrence of sin. Personal holiness was to carry over into ceremonial holiness. They were to understand and practice holiness and separation. God is himself holy. The fledgling nation of Israel was to be a holy people, serving a holy God with holy things, performing holy ceremonies on holy days and eventually in a holy land. While we no longer follow such distinctions, we are to do everything to the glory of God. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Tassels were to remind them to obey God. We no longer wear tassels, but we have the Lord's Supper to remind us to obey because of what Jesus did for us. And we should take every opportunity to remember what God has done. Jesus said of the Pharisees and teachers of the law in his day, Everything they do is done for people to see. They make their phylacteries wide and the tassels on their garments long. They change their purpose from a reminder to a boast. In the case of adultery, both the man and the woman were to be put to death because it had been consensual. But in the case that was brought before Jesus, they only brought the woman to Jesus for judgment, 
even though she had been caught in the act, so the identity of the man was known. And that's why it's believed that it was a trap which Jesus evaded with his wisdom. These sexual sins no longer carry a death penalty carried out by civil or religious authorities, but they are still a violation of the seventh commandment. We are to be pure sexually. Sexual sins are sins against our own bodies, <clears throat> and they carry an even greater death sentence of eternal punishment. The idea that a virgin must remain pure and not be a hypocrite engaged in sin <coughs> is an antitype of the church who is the bride of Christ. She must remain pure and true to Christ. <coughs> a person must not slander another. They were to avoid slander and we are still to do this. A man was not to marry his father's wife. Paul addressed a case of this in the Corinthian church which they weren't dealing with. <clears throat> First Corinthians 5.1 says, It is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you, and of a kind that even pagans do not tolerate. A man is sleeping with his father's wife. You've been listening to the podcast Bible Companion series by author P.H. Thompson. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and comment. Continue listening for Deuteronomy chapter 23. May God bless the study of his word.